On your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors fall on Friday night to the New York Knicks in a game that shows off the power of simply having no bad players. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, December the 4th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's busted, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can come hang out in our Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description. It's free to join. There's like 250 little sickos just like you hanging out in there, talking ball, making fake trades, talking about Shohei Otani, who's definitely coming to the Toronto Blue Jays, right? Right? It's all going on in the Discord. Come hang out. We'd love to see you there. Also, a reminder, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts over on the podcast app of choice that you use. We are also on YouTube every day. You can subscribe to the videos and hit the little notification bell so you never miss an episode when it goes live. We appreciate you so, so much for doing that. And we appreciate our everyday listeners for rocking with us as well, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And we will get started digging into a loss to the New York Knicks on Friday, a game that for the first half was one of the more entertaining games of the season to this point. And then it all came unspooled in that second half as the Knicks pulled away and uh, some kind of baffling lineup choices, among other things, caused the Raptors to lose the plot in this one. We will dig into that. We'll dig into the good, the bad, and the hmm. We'll dig into the 20 game mark and whether this team has a capacity for growth beyond what they've shown so far. And here to do all of that is our pal from the whole internet. He just writes everywhere. It's Orrin Weisfeld. Orrin, how's it going, pal? Sean, thanks for having me. I was going to say earlier that a little sicko is exactly what people say to describe me. So maybe I'll hop on that Discord <laughs> soon enough. You would be <laughs> no, more than welcome and among friends and sickos just like you. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into it. The Raptors fall 119-106 to the New York Knicks on Friday. Again, like I said, first half, really fun. Back and forth battle. Uh, Scotty Barnes doing the thing. I thought just like a really fun NBA basketball game. Second half comes along. The Knicks, I think, powered by the fact that they just have a lot of really good players. Obviously, some really good three-point shooting, some very bad three-point shooting on the Raptors side of things, and some other stuff we'll get into. The Knicks pull away and win this one. Raptors fall to 9 and 11 on the season. Oren, what was your sort of biggest takeaway from watching this Toronto Raptors loss? A loss that, uh, again, was just kind of a bummer considering how fun this game was to start. Yeah, well, I think, uh, like you said, definitely the depth stood in stark contrast to each other the Knicks mm -hmm. go nine deep and and like all nine of those names are guys the average fan I think will recognize and just really solid rotation player across the board you know whereas the Raptors they're still very much in the process of searching for answers searching for rotations which guys play together how many bench guys you can get away with playing together 
and, and look, part of that is natural of having a new coach and the Knicks are a team that has a ton of continuity, right? And the mm-hmm. Raptors don't have that in their favor, at least on the coaching side of things. So you you forgive a little bit of that, but you know, probably other than the depth, the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, I, I found like last year, a lot of times we could pretty simply say, and it, it was overly simplistic at times, but it was like either this team like played hard or they didn't. Mm-hmm. And sure. we could chalk a lot of the losses up to like, these guys don't really give a crap it seems yeah. like i don't know and um this year i don't find that like in a loss like no. the Knicks, like the raptors played hard they play hard pretty much every night and that can almost be more concerning when you lose a game this like thoroughly to a pretty middling team and you mm. do play really hard but to me it was probably like the defense you know 17th ranked defense over the last 10 games for the raptors we all came into the season being like the path to go be like a good playoff team is to have an elite defense they're 15th on the season, 17th in the last 10 games, so it's not getting better. Um, and that's really the concern. I thought the Knicks game was pretty ridiculous, honestly, where it's like Julius Randle gets a post up. You choose to double him, which, fine. I'm not even here to criticize that. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's good. he did have some success in one-on-one coverage. I also see the argument of just letting him kind of cook in the post and seeing how far that really gets the Knicks. Mm-hmm. But look, you choose to double him the first pass out cannot be a wide open three every single time. You have to at least have that first rotation there and then make the Knicks put the ball in rotation and make them punish your defense and scramble after that. But it it felt to me like every time Randall passed out of the post, it was a wide open three. And that was just pretty for 20 games into the season for your defense still to look that failable to the Knicks who are a middling offensive team. I think that was the biggest concern for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I, the two big things I wrote down from this game, the sort of reasons they lost were uh, the Knicks got a lot of good players. The Raptors have five or six and the Raptors defense, their rotations were just two steps too slow at all times. And it wasn't even just the threes either. Right. It was like, you know, you had the two players who were part of the double and it didn't feel like the rest of the three players a knew the double was coming or what yeah. to do when the double was thrown onto Randall and like, you know, I thought there was some pretty nice doublings, you know, different angles, you know, a couple times where Randall just kind of like spun right into Pascal or Scotty, just kind of doing the verticality thing. But then you have like cutters getting lost off ball and just kind of scream into the bucket for points. Or like you said, mm-hmm. the sort of constant string of single pass threes. And yeah, I mean, look, this is not a team that's been a super aggressive defense this season. Maybe they're a little rusty when it comes to their scrambling out in uh, all sorts of uh, recovery yeah. mode and all of that. Uh, But you would think if your game plan is we're going to send a lot of attention towards Julius Randle down low, you would know kind of the the response to that from the rest of the defenders on the floor. And it just felt like no one kind of knew what was up. And obviously you get a really nice shooting night from the Knicks in this one as well. 16 of 36, they shoot 44%. They're not going to do that every night, but they certainly didn't make it difficult on, say, Dante DiVincenzo, who went seven of nine in this game. A lot of those looks were just super wide open. And the result of either a couple of guys converging on Randall or collapsing it on Jalen Brunson and Jalen Brunson kicks out, right? You have like 17 combined assists for Brunson and Randall in this game, four combined turnovers. It's just you got to be a little more forceful when you are sending the double. And this is obviously weird to see because this is what this team did so well for so long. It was like their one thing they could do on defense. Um, and it just kind of, you know, was not there in this one by any means let's quickly talk about the offense too unless you have a a thought you wanted to toss in there 
I would just say, like, on the defense, right, like, Darko likes to play it a lot more straight up than Nick Nurse mm-hmm. did. And I think maybe a trend that we've seen the last few days, and it's early, maybe this is too early to, to say it's a trend, but that kind of style of, like, having one guy stick to their man and kind of playing this drop defense, I think it's heavily dependent on matchups, more mm-hmm. so in a way that Nick Nurse's system was, right? So sure. in this game, you have OG on... Brunson and Randall kind of gets the Siakam assignment and he can punish that. And we saw in the Cavs game something similar, I think, where you had Garland and and Mitchell and they kind of put Scotty on Garland because yeah. they didn't really feel like they had a better. And and so, yeah, it feels to me a little bit like unless you get the matchups perfectly in this system, um, you're really going to struggle because, like you said, it's not as aggressive and it's not as kind of matchup independent maybe as as Nick's system was. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And look, you would think that in most cases, the Raptors have the personnel to like handle a couple of big horses on the other team. And I feel like maybe sometimes like that Cavs game you pointed out, like to me, that was just, well, put Schroeder on Garland, right? Like stop with this Scotty on the yeah. perimeter thing it feels like there are better matchups out there for them to throw against these guys and they haven't really gotten to that maybe there's less of a, a surefire matchup when you have brunson and randall to deal with there's two very different types of players og kind of best suited to guard both of them probably so what do you do do you have Schroeder guard brunson like is that something you can get away with it should be frankly like that's Schroeder's whole thing is point of attack defense and all that they seem to have not loved him in those uh sort of one-on-one matchups against lead guards but yeah it, it's uh you know, you, they have the defensive talent to be a very good defense. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, yeah. there are certain matchups where um, if you are going to play that straight up man to man thing, uh, you know, you, you got to have a little more juice, I suppose. And yeah, if you're going to do the doubling thing, like you got to have more of a plan and intentionality. They just didn't seem to have that mm-hmm. in this one. And it was a lot of wide open threes, very reminiscent of when the defense would come unspooled during the worst of the Nick Nurse era. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mentioned the offense. We don't need to talk about the offense. It was the offense. They were 76.7 offensive rating in the half court. It stunk. They were amazing in transition. Yeah, this is kind of the story we know. Let's move on. Let's get into, in a second here, the 20 game mark, the hallowed 20 game mark. I talked about it this a bit on Friday's podcast, but uh, this is sort of the time where the common wisdom is this is when we know what teams are. We're going to get into whether or not we know what these Raptors are and what kind of growth or progression they may or may not be capable of in various aspects of the team coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, I've got to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Jace medical look it's the time of year where you might be traveling quite a bit there's also lots of bugs going around people getting sick people getting the flu etc etc uh and jace medical offers something that can be there you know may never have to use it the idea is you never have to use it but you can pack it away in your bag when you travel so you know that you are going to be prepared if something goes bad and you start to fall ill while you're away from home on your holiday during the upcoming weeks here The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to anybody when you're on vacation. It's nice to have that peace of mind, knowing in your bag there's a nice little package with all the stuff you might need, along with doctor recommendations for how to use it safely, access to the doctors at Jace Medical to use it safely as well. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off of your order. Okay, we continue on here. Oren Weisfeld of uh, Sportsnet, of Complex, of the Internet is here 
uh, as we dig into the Raptors' loss to the Knicks on Friday and now take stock after 20 games. Oren, I would say so far, it's pretty much gone to script in a lot of ways. Outside of like Scotty Barnes looking like a world killer, uh, I think that's been a little bit premature and ahead of what most people expected. But for the most part, Raps are 9-11. and 11. They've played the seventh toughest schedule in the league so far. So that's, you know, take that how you want to take it, I suppose. Half-court offense, basically what we expected. 26 in the league. It's been really bad. Had some really, really nasty nights. Some good nights to offset it, but some really, really grim numbers in a lot of these games. Uh, second in transition offense, not a huge surprise there. Tenth in half-court defense, 14th in transition defense per clean the glass. Is anything that we've seen from this team so far surprising to you? Like, do you feel like this is basically gone as you expected? And, you know, is there anything that we haven't seen yet that you maybe think there's still room for, right? Like, again, I talked about the 20 game threshold is sort of the sort of colloquial. All right, this is when we know about this team cutoff. It does feel like we probably know a lot about what this team is, but is there anything that is still left to surprise us, do you think? Do you think there's a capacity for this team to be better than what it's been through 20 games so far? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll start with the kind of surprises. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned the big one, Scotty Barnes. I think it's been talked about a lot. Dennis Schroeder, I would also throw in there just – maybe the greatest free agent signing in Raptors history when all is said and done. And I know the bar is low, but he's honestly been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two in terms of like players are definitely the only, the only two big positive surprises mm-hmm. I would say. And, and maybe this isn't a huge surprise for people who followed this team, but you know, to me, a little bit of a disappointing surprise was I did think the bench was going to be better this year yeah, just based on, you know, you give guys confidence, you let them play through their mistakes like Darko has, you tend to see guys play a little bit better when they have that kind of freedom. And there's been spurts where, you know, Malachi, for example, has had a few good games, definitely a better season than last year. Um, But in general, to me, that is probably the biggest disappointing surprise of the season is just how bad the bench has been. Yeah. And yeah, you were going to mention like the offense against the Knicks game. You know, that was probably, if you wanted to sum it up, a, a big reason they lost. Dante DiVincenzo like basically tied the Raptors bench in points. The Raptors are shooting 40% from the field as a bench, their benches, and that's the worst mark in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Precious just really not up to his capabilities all season. Coloco's whack-a-mole, at- man. Total whack-a-mole with Precious. Like, and, and mostly bad, but some really good ones popping through, sure. I guess. Yeah. Sure, there's been good, but mostly mostly he is hurting the team, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you give him a bit of um, leeway because he's playing the five exclusively with Coloco mm-hmm. injured. But it is what it is. There's no other options at the backup five. Gary's really struggled to fit into this system, I think. Um, he's really the only guy you see take a bunch of dribbles and, and shoot like a mid-range pull-up. And I don't think that's what Darko really wants. And Malachi, it, it, McDaniels, like you kind of hope that at least a couple of these guys would pop and that you'd have a, a semi-reliable bench, not one of the best in the league, but an okay one. Instead, it's really gone the other way where the starters are propping them up every night. And you just kind of hope you survive those bench units. That's not a sustainable way to win in the regular season, as we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the struggles have been like 
everyone's kind of had a, a struggle in some way, shape, or form, right? There's been no one who's just like, okay, that's one bench guy you can set your watch to. Like, maybe yeah. Chris Boucher, but it's only because, yeah. like, you know he's going to play like a maniac when he comes in. You don't really know what the results of said maniac play are going to be, but you know he's going to bring it, like, energy-wise. Beyond that, like, Gary, you mentioned Gary. Obviously, he's had his stretches. He's kind of stabilized as a three-point shooter. The twos have been kind of a nightmare all year. I still think he is the guy who is struggling the most with the 0.5 ethos. Like he just, he cannot make a quick decision to save his life. He had a couple of nice dimes, I should say, in the game uh, on Friday. He had the one to Yak and sort of semi-transition where he hit him with a nice bounce pass. He had a nice drive and dump off. I think to Dennis who was cutting at another moment as well. So there's like been some moments here and there, but it's just not nearly enough from a guy in Gary Trent Jr. who you kind of penciled in as like the sixth guy you could trust on this team. And it's just been way too inconsistent. And I I mean, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about his future, but it's been thrown into all sorts of doubt and confusion, I think, by this start. Precious, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to quit him because uh, like the best Same, of Precious honestly. is the sweetest of drugs. But yeah, <laughs> it's minus 22 in this Knicks game. Really, really bad. Flynn, you know, he had like a couple really nice games and then he's kind of fallen off the last few. And that's the Malachi Flynn experience basically his entire career um you know do you think there's any to the point of like the 20 game yeah. thing and kind of knowing what the team is do you think there is capacity for growth for this bench unit in particular like, like do you think you know maybe you work in Otto porter jr more regularly if he's alive you know can jalen mcdaniels kind of bounce back he's had a couple of spots lately where he's looked a little bit more comfortable on the nba floor if not effective but like not totally like a deer in the headlights is there a pathway or does it have to come via like outside help? And like, how do you reckon with that as a nine and 11 team that already owes a first round pick this year? Like it's a, it's a bit of a tricky situation to sort out. I continue to maintain the problem with this team is not the good players. It's the bad players. How do you address the bad players? Do you think there's a chance that it can be addressed either internally or externally here over the next 20 games or so? Yeah, usually I'm like very optimistic about the Raptors and and mm -hmm. even like when we were going to talk about um things that I could see changing for the better, you know, there is a couple of things. But in terms of the bench specifically, mm -hmm. I don't see it happening this year. Like to me the biggest takeaway maybe through 20 games is that these young bench guys that we're talking about are just not ready to mm -hmm. be winning players this year. And that's not mm -hmm. the end of the world because, you know, you give them another season to develop and maybe by next season they are impact players or at least a couple of them are but to me no matter you know there's definitely room for growth because like i said they're the worst shooting bench in the league like i'm not saying they're going to be the worst bench in the league all season but so yeah like maybe Otto finds his way into the rotation and he looks good maybe jalen mcdaniels starts knocking down shots and he looks better maybe chris boucher plays more um but in general no i don't really see a pathway to this bench being even kind of average because just like you said when you look at malachi and you look at precious these guys just seem like they are still pretty youthful in their development i know they're not the youngest guys but to be fair to them they have had really limited minutes in the nba mm -hmm. and when you look at gary i don't see real signs of him fitting into the system like he had a great game against phoenix and he's had a couple games here and there so maybe those are signs of, of success coming but um i haven't seen enough to where i'm like okay i see something developing with the bench specifically um the only real thing is like you said externally 
if they were to trade one of those big wings, you could absolutely bring back some depth in a deal like that. And and mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the path I would I would see them taking. Yeah, I, I mean, there are sort of like next tier guy, like you can like, can you get a Kobe White? Can you get a, a Jaden Ivey like from one of these distressed teams that might just be looking to make a move for the sake of making a move? Can you capitalize on a team that's panicking and not send out like your best players in order to get that done to balance things out? Maybe, I don't know, that's hard. Um, lots of teams are going to want those players. I mean, Kobe White in particular, I feel like if the Bulls are going full sale mode, anyone can use like a guard who can pop off for 30 any given night, even if he's not a perfect player. Um, it, it's tough. I, I think for me, you know, I suppose Grady Dick is like, maybe he comes right. in and starts hitting some shots like that. But like, if yeah. you're counting on a 20 year old and maybe Javon Freeman Liberty kind of being the guys to come in and save your bench, you're not really in the best of spots. Frankly, I yeah. think the, the best thing they can do here is just stop with the minutes where they play four bench players with one starter and maybe you alleviate some of your issues. They've had some success with, in between lineups with two or three starters with a couple of bench guys sprinkled in here. And I feel like they keep on going to these one plus four groups that just don't have a shot in hell. Um, So maybe that's an avenue here. Let's pivot over to stuff that can improve that you feel optimistic about. Uh, What, what kind of comes to mind as the top one or two things that you feel like, you know, from this 20 game point, the Raptors can actually kind of change their DNA as a team. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the defense, like Mm -hmm. I said, just because I'm, you know, to be fair, I said the same thing last season, but, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as the talent is the talent and the roster is the roster, I'm going to believe that there is another level to the defense. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen it in spurts, but yeah, like we haven't really seen it for a sustained enough period of time. And and I think they can get there just because I honestly just believe in like the individual talent and IQ of these guys and specifically the top five, like that starting unit should have a really elite defense. You add mm-hmm. Schroeder into the Van Vliet spot. You have a full season of, of Pirtle, who I really think has picked it up the last couple of weeks. And there's just no reason that it's going to be a middling defense all season. You know, this could have to also to cut Darko some slack. This could have to do with a little bit of a, this is a drastically new offense and we're Mm -hmm. spending a lot of time learning it. And I would guess a lot of the practices have been that because we've seen the defense look pretty, pretty basic, pretty, you know, regimented NBA defense. Um, So maybe it's just that. And when they have a little bit more time to focus on the defensive end, it'll pick up. And I think that'll make their lives easier, obviously in transition, it'll make everybody's life a little bit easier. So that's the big one. And then the other one is what you just said about, um, it's kind of a question of how much do you care about development and how much do you care about winning? Sure. And I know those two things like can go hand in hand, but Darko has made it a point to say, I want to play 10 guys. And when you play these units with four bench guys, they inherently have more responsibility than if you played a unit with only two bench guys, whereas where then they're going to be just the role players on that unit. Um, so I get it from a process standpoint. I really do get it more than most people, especially when it's Scotty as the lone guy and Ford bench players. Like sure. process-wise, that's what you want to do to develop a team. But it's not getting the results they want. And um, so if we're concerned about winning, I do think that's a, a pretty happy balance of going two starters, three bench guys. You're still going to get a lot of responsibility for precious and malachi and those guys but they'll be insulated a little bit more 
And those minutes have been winning a lot more than the pure one starter plus bench minutes. So I think A, rotations slash substitution patterns, and B, defense are the two areas where they could improve. With you fully on the defense, I still believe in their viability as like a top 10 group. They're right now 11th on clean the glass, 14th on NBA.com. So uh, they're not too far out of that range. And I think, yeah, like the, the talent is so immense top to bottom when you come when it comes to the, the main guys on this defense that it should be pretty good. As far as the bench guys, yeah, like I understand the wanting to, to balance the development with winning thing too completely. I guess it falls a little flat for me, these one plus four groups. When you look at it and it's like, Chris Boucher, is he really part of the long-term plans here? I don't think so. Um, Malachi Flynn, is he really part of the long-term plans here? Maybe because you can like retain him for probably pretty cheap, but I'm still like jury's still out on that for sure. Even Precious, like, I mean, obviously this is a huge year for him, but I do think you can still have those guys in positions to develop playing them with two starters. It's not a, like a mutually exclusive thing where you can't develop if there's only, if, unless there's only one starter on the floor. In fact, I think having more starters makes the, the the environment for all these guys to develop within the role they're going to occupy as long-term NBA players a little bit more conducive. So, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see them do away with these one yeah. plus four groups, uh, specifically one group that we're going to talk about for a little bit in the uh, the back end of the show, I'm sure. Um, we'll yeah. come back to the side here, Oren. We'll get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Knicks. Thing we liked, thing we didn't like, a thing that's got us intrigued. We will do that in just a sec. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to go check them out because right now is a perfect time to warm yourself up from this dreary, cold, garbagey weather with the hot offers over at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can also, it's not just for basketball or for, for football, of course. You got the NFL, NBA, you got uh, Major League Baseball. You want to go put some money on where Shohei Otani's going. You can go and do that at FanDuel. Put it on the Dodgers so when he doesn't come to the Blue Jays, at least you get some money out of it. It's the happiness hedge. Go do that or whatever you please over at FanDuel with all of the various betting options. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, we round out the show here. Oren Weisfeld is here as we go into the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we end every episode of the show after a Toronto Raptors game. A thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little intrigued, a burgeoning trend perhaps, or just something that made us raise an eyebrow from the game against uh, the Knicks in this case on Friday. Let's start with the good. What you got for your good, Oren? Uh, as I said, it was tough to find a good on the Raptors <laughs> side of things. Uh, I landed on Chris Boucher, yeah. who had 11 points, you know, bench high for the team, two assists, three rebounds. And, you know, his energy was was very apparent, um, just making little things happen. But um, this has been a topic of Twitter. I don't want to go too long, Chris Boucher. This has been a topic on Twitter is why is Jaden McDaniels getting minutes? Why is Chris not just getting more minutes? Mm -hmm. And I will say I, I understand it from a perspective of we know what we have in Chris. The franchise sure. knows, Darko knows. And I think with Jaden and with Otto Porter and guys like that, we don't exactly know what we have we don't know 
if there can maybe prop up those four-man bench units a little bit more than Chris has, who's shown to be like really effective with starter heavy units, but mm-hmm. not as effective in these bench units. So I understand it from that perspective. But again, if we're going back to like how much how much are we really valuing wi- winning, Chris should probably be like the most played guy off the bench if yeah. that's purely the case. So good game, Chris Boucher. You want to keep on tapping into his 42% clip from deep while it's still happening. Uh, right? Like it's, that's, that's nice. Right. It's been really cool to see those fall. Obviously the energy stuff, the running the floor. Um, it's all very nice from Chris Boucher. Yeah. I think that's a good one. My good is nothing to do with the Toronto Raptors at all. It's just watching Jalen Brunson or, and I don't know, I, I've kind of kicked this take around a little bit. I don't know if I've made it public on the podcast before, because I feel like it is a little bit sacrilege to say this, but Jalen Brunson, to me, Oren, and it's not just the Villanova connection, it's just the way he plays basketball. He's the closest thing right now to prime Kyle Lowry in the NBA. And I'm very jealous that the New York Knicks have a dude like that running their basketball team. It would be very cool if the Toronto Raptors had a dude like that running the basketball team right now. He's just so good, man, uh, and does a lot of what Kyle used to do, just kind of like bullying his way to his spots uh, just kind of has a finger on the pulse of the game in, in a really, really obvious and demand commanding way, I would say. Uh, I love Jalen Brunson. I, I kind of secretly love this Knicks team, and I feel gross about it, but they're super fun to watch, and I just like watching good, competent basketball players play competent basketball. Um, so yeah, Jalen Brunson is my good, because he reminds me very much of Kyle Lowry circa like 2015 um 2016 something like that not the heights that he reached in 2016-17 before he got hurt where kyle was like one of the five best players in basketball but people won't tell you that uh but pretty darn good nonetheless let's go to the bad shall we what you got for your bad so yeah i'm gonna change it up a little bit and say i think the same as you was the og plus bench unit um i went to Was it the end of the third or the beginning of the fourth? I think the end, end of the, the third. third. They were See, a minus five in like 1.8 minutes. Ugh. Yes. So like what I said earlier about understanding the process of Scotty plus four bench guys. Mm-hmm. I do understand that process because Scotty is so intuitive. He can almost always get a pretty good shot when he has the ball in his hands and, and, a, and a bunch of guys cutting around him or screening mm-hmm. around him. That's obviously never been the case with OG. He's never been a great creator himself. We've never seen this unit before this season. And um, to go to it at that time felt like a very much like a desperation move. I know Joseph Cacharo asked Darko about it after the game. And Darko said basically that because OG got in foul trouble earlier in the game, mm. he's his rotations got a little messed up. And then he decided to go on that to get OG some more minutes. But you know, I would say, why is Schroeder not out there? Why is Siakam not out there? One more of these guys who is a bit of a ball handler and a creator to insulate those minutes a little bit. Um, it just felt like a last minute heave to me from Darko mm-hmm. when maybe that wasn't necessary at that point in the game. Um, but yeah, it was it was it's something I don't want to see again this season. Yeah, and it's not like Pascal has like not played entire third quarters this season, right? Like he's done that quite a bit. Like yeah, it was a it was a weird one. Did not enjoy watching that lineup. And yeah, like Scotty, you get it. Where like he's had some troubles in those lineups too. But in theory, the type of player Scotty is is the one who can kind of make other players better while also being good. And I just don't think that's ever been OG's bag. I think it was an unfair position to put him into. Um, and it just, you know, it lost the rope for the Raptors. They were down 13 going into that fourth quarter. 
and largely because they rolled that lineup out there and got waxed for a couple minutes. Not the best. My bad uh, was simply wasting that Scotty Barnes performance. We haven't really talked about it yet. Man, he was awesome in this game. 29, 9, and 4, 5 steals, a block, 13 and 19, 3 7 from deep. Uh, just a really forceful, aggressive, like high energy, uh, just like full of pop and everything that you want from Scotty Barnes from the jump. Like he had that and one uh, right out of the gate, uh, sort of on the move, you know, through contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just a really, really awesome start to finish game from Scotty Barnes. And it's a damn shame it was wasted in a loss by 13 points. Uh, he was great. Let's go to the hmm. What you got for your hmm here, Oren? Yeah, so also on Scotty Barnes, um, mm. my my, hmm, I'm intrigued by these Scotty at center units that um, I believe the Raptors went to at the start of the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and it's been a trend in the last few games, I believe, because Precious has been not good enough, um, where Darko's kind of had to make these decisions where he either closes the game with Scotty at center or he goes to Scotty at center before putting Pirtle back in, like in the Knicks game, because he doesn't want to play Pirtle for straight 12 straight minutes in the fourth quarter, but he also is kind of leaking points with Precious at the center. So he's found these Scotty at center lineups and they've been massively impactful. Um, plus 43 point differential per 100 minutes uh, this season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've been ridiculous, but also, you know, I've seen a ton of, of debate on Twitter about them, even so much so, should we start Scotty? Should we trade Pirtle? I would remind people that last year, the same lineup combinations with uh, Scotty at center were terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And and we've seen it for many years when, as soon as they let go of Serge and Mark, and they kind of brought in these replacement level centers and and nurse tried to go to these small ball lineups it didn't work like it didn't work from a rebounding perspective it didn't work from a rim protective protection perspective so my hmm comes from a place of has scotty really just gotten like bigger and like stronger enough to where he can man those units for Mm -hmm. for small minutes or is this just small sample size theater that is bound to um go back to the regression we've seen in the last couple of seasons, because if this is a viable unit that you can play for long periods of time, it definitely changes the roster building perspective from the Raptors. My hmm from this game, Oren, you know, you got over there on the Knicks, this really deep, good basketball team and poor Emmanuel quickly playing just 19 minutes. He's one of the best pick and roll ball handlers statistically in the NBA this season. Uh, Just like a really, really solid player. But that dude's got to be playing more than 19 minutes. What a world it would be if the Toronto Raptors could just take Emmanuel quickly off of the Knicks' hands. It would be good for everybody, right? The Knicks would have easier rotations to figure out, get more minutes for Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart. The Raptors would get their guard to pair with Scotty Barnes for the long haul. I think that uh, the Raptors should save Emmanuel quickly and save the Knicks, frankly, from these very difficult decisions they have with paying him and all this stuff and just bring him to Toronto. That would be pretty cool to me. Too bad that damn lawsuit is going to prevent any sort of interaction between these two teams uh, until the Raptors... I was just going to suggest a Chris (laughs) Boucher uh, for Emmanuel quickly trade because they lost Obi Toppin at that Mm -hmm. kind of backup power forward. Like They could use a Chris Boucher, but like you said, those teams are probably not going to make a deal anytime soon. The way that you have to make this happen is the Raptors find a way. Maybe they move on from Pascal. They clear all the cap space. They keep OG, but then everyone else is gone, and they throw the most toxic offer sheet possible. Oh, my God. That's such a good idea. 
right hilarious right too. this is one oh, of the man. avenues where i'm okay with pascal siakam getting shipped for 60 cents on the dollar uh right. is if it leads to a cap space cap space scenario where you can ruin the next day by sending just like an alan crab level toxic offer sheet at emmanuel yeah. quickly who would clearly help the narrative his team so much oh the narrative for sure the narrative <laughs> would be hilarious because even at this game we had several nick reporters ask both coaches like is there a little more to this game given that the lawsuit is going on and i'm like come on guys we're really yeah. pushing it here like yeah i don't think yeah. tom thibodeau or dark Aryakovich really care about james dolan's petty grievances yeah. uh yeah or the players for that matter 100 percent. no one likes yeah. james dolan not even people on the knicks all right we yeah. will uh leave it there that feels like a good place to jump off uh yeah. thanks for jumping on here Orin. it was a blast i felt like we covered a lot of ground here do you got anything you want to promote for the good people out there uh, nothing, nothing too immediate, but, uh, you can follow me on X at Oren Weisfeld, which is where I post all my work and, uh, yeah, just continuing to come for the Raptors, the NBA, Canadian basketball this season, and I'll post it all there, but yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Of course, man. Uh, that'll do it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please follow, subscribe, rate, review, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you get your podcast. It's always appreciated when you go ahead and do that. You can also uh, go and hit the little notification bell over on YouTube and get heads up every single time the show is set to premiere. We'll be back again tomorrow as Vivek Jacob will walk by, and I think we're going to bust out an old parlor game. We're going to play a little round of Raptors Would You Rather. So you have that to look forward to tomorrow. Games get back on the schedule on Wednesday night against the Heat, so that'll be fun. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll keep you covered here with your daily shows. Thanks to our everydayers and all the people who rock with the show. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.